0: Hey, Euchromedia family! Vladimir here. Quick announcement before we begin our interview with Ben Burns. Many of you have been waiting patiently for our After Effects Expressions course. We are excited to announce that the course is now available on Euchromedia.com. This course was months in the making, over six hours of training, fifty-five detailed and fast-paced video lessons, project files, free updates for any future releases for this course, live Q and A's with Sergey Proknevsky. And you will get a free bouncer script by our very own Tim Thiessen. All that and more at ukremedia.com. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Mr. Ben Burns. Enjoy. Hello, Yukomedia family, Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number eighteen off the Yukrimedia Podcast, where I serve our Euchromedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Now, today's guest is Ben Burns. He is a brand strategist, an award-winning designer, YouTuber with the future, and digital director of Blind. Ben, welcome to the show and thank you so much for your time.
1: What's up, man? That was that was that was pro, pro level intro. Good job. Well, thank you. Well,
0: my last name is Proknevsky, <laughs> so I guess maybe that has something to do with
1: that. <laughs> Probably.
0: Man, I really enjoyed reading your bio. You have It's so impressive, man. Your journey is so unique and unconventional in so many ways. I was looking earlier, and I saw that you served five years in the Army as a sergeant, right? And you, uh, Yeah. By the way, thank you so much for your service. Oh, thank you. You also spent a few years chasing drug dealers as a decorated narcotics agent with DEA. <laughs> and you were a police officer, and now you're a digital director of Blind. Wow, what a journey. Now, you're clearly not afraid of change, but... Now, being a police officer, (laughs) narcotics agent, and a sergeant in the army doesn't really have much in common with the design world. Are there any skills that you carried uh, over from those careers that are now helping your life today?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's interesting. I've always been one to, like, stack things, Mm -hmm. right? So, when we talk about that era of my life, it's really, uh, I was in the National Guard at the same time as as I was a police officer, and I was assigned to a narcotics squad. So, those five years are crazy but that's when i did all of those things like all together but honestly it's it's all about grit determination hard work those are super super important and that's the kind of stuff that you learn when you're out there on the streets as a as a police officer um, and even as a you know soldier going through basic training and all that kind of you know the stuff that they put you through in order to wear the uniform it really teaches you this like this drive that I really credit to those years.
0: If you had to go back in time, would you still go through all of that stuff?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I would do it earlier. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So really I think that, you know, because I come from a country, for
0: example, I'm, I'm originally from Kiev, Ukraine, and when you hit 18, you have to do mandatory military duty. Now, do you think that's that would, or it looks like it helped you a lot with discipline and everything. Do you think that's something that you would encourage your kids to do?
1: Yeah, I don't know that military duty is the right calling for everybody, but some sort of service, you know, some sort of service where you're in a and environment teaches you some, you know, self-discipline and, and a lot of the, the values that I've taken away. Um, yeah, <laughs> some, some, some form of helping others in service would be would be great as soon as you graduate high school.
0: Now let's start from the beginning. Now how did you end up in the military and just going through all that stuff? Like I know you started in design originally, but then you had to take a break. Walk me through that.
1: Yeah, how back how far back do you want to go? Well, after college. Let's, let's start from that. Okay, cool. So when college hit, you know, when when I went to school, I had no idea that design existed as a career. No idea whatsoever. I knew that uh I knew photography pretty well and when I was going through uh, photo classes in high school, you know, Photoshop was uh, just starting to become a thing. Digital cameras were coming around, so I was I was used to using Adobe software, but I didn't know that design was a thing. And so I knew I wanted to be creative, uh, so I I joined the uh, advertising department at uh, at our school. I think I majored in advertising for maybe a year, and through that, I was able to access an internship, and I believe it was for a junior graphic design position. I forget how the job posting was actually worded, but I knew going into the interview that I was just absolutely not qualified. You know, I had no idea about anything design. I was, I think this was sophomore year at this point and just had taken no classes, just completely cold. And, um, so I sat down across from the uh, creative director and she asked to see my portfolio and my eyes got wide. (laughs) 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 I had no idea what a portfolio even was. Something in that interview really, uh, I don't know what it was. I I don't know if it was my work ethic or showing up in in a suit and tie to a really creative agency. I don't know what did it, but the creative director there decided to give me a chance and she was like, come back tomorrow. Bring some examples of your work, and then we'll go through it. So stayed up, you know, pulled a 24-hour day and uh, put together a whole portfolio of five awful projects, but brought it in, and, and, and that's what got me my first internship. I tell that story because that's the way kind of I've, I've taken every change in my life. I just grabbed onto it with all hands, feet, teeth, fingernails, the works. And that's kind of how I, you know, handled my transition from design into uh, law enforcement, I interned at this at this place and then subsequently got hired as a full-time designer and then promoted as a, you know, senior graphic designer, for, I think it was three or four years. And I, you know, I was like, let me just find something else. Let me, let me find another job or something. And so me being the, the, the guy that jumps in with both feet, uh, I quit that job before I had another one lined up. <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was basically the the start of it and um uh, I was I think I was watching 24 at the at the time and I was like, yeah, I could do that stuff and so I put in a whole bunch of applications all the way up and down the government. I mean, I'm talking I put in for the CIA and uh state level investigator wow. and all this other it was kind of dumb, but uh I just put in for all this stuff and and wound up as a police officer in Savannah. <laughs>
0: Now, you know, looking back at well, how come you didn't go with the design job? How come you just decided to shift gears completely and just change careers?
1: You know, it wasn't a career change from the beginning. Um it was really just like let's do something else. Mm. You know, I was I think I was uh uh 22 or 23 at the time and I had been in this creative realm all my life and I just didn't uh I I I wanted something new. And I, I felt like I needed to to stand up and walk away from a desk, you know. So, also it didn't it didn't help that this time frame was two thousand eight, two thousand nine recession <laughs> in the U.S. where the recession, yeah, dude, it was it hit hard, and there were no full time spots available. I tried freelancing for a little bit and just couldn't make ends meet, and it was just it was it was really rough. And so, being a police officer was really the first job that I was able to find that I was somewhat interested in. That allowed me to, you know, start paying back my
0: student loans. Now, do you have an advice for those? Let's say, I mean, right now times are good, right? But how do you become Mm -hmm. recession-proof as a designer? You know, looking back at everything, what can one do to prevent that from happening? Mm.
1: So, honestly, designers solve problems, right? That's what we do. We, we, We visually solve problems. I think it's a natural step for us to take kind of like a further step into a consultative role. And so if you can solve business problems for people, that in my mind will recession proof you because it's like solving business problems during a recession and helping people that make ends meet during a recession is what it's all about. I mean, everybody's going to be desperate in 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 that in those times. So, but that being said, I mean, <laughs> fields like design is probably one of the, we are going to be more impacted during a recession than utilities like police and fire and, you know, those guys.
0: Mm. So, so you're a police officer
1: and then what was next for you? Okay. So I spent about six months on the street, which means in uniform, doing the parking tickets, doing the, you know, traffic accidents and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did that for about six months and then decided that that wasn't enough and joined the army. So I was away for about six months in uh, one station unit training in uh, Fort Leonard Wood. When I came back from that training and transitioned to one weekend a month, you know, drilling with the National Guard, I was pretty much immediately promoted into a special operations unit. So these were the guys that were more on the investigation side, more on the, um, you know, we would go into the really rough areas of town and try and find crime and, and, and break that up. And from there, it was kind of a natural progression. I think it was, again, within six to eight months that I was promoted to a multi jurisdictional narcotics task force. So even though I was still a city employee, I was working alongside DEA, ATF a lot of the times. And, you know, we were doing everything from running undercover operations to, you know, wiretaps. Wow.
0: Now, it's interesting. I I was reading some of you, by the way, you're a great writer. I follow you on medium.com. And oh, thanks. It's interesting that you're what you're writing about is very relevant to what I'm going through right now because I made the the big jump and I you know, quit my job several months ago, and you know the fear is real now. But it's interesting because you have this military background, you have this police background. Like fear is something you've dealt with for a very long time. But you, you know, and reading your articles about fear, you talk about different types of fear, you know, and uh, and you were talking about how fear being your driving force. You know, it's interesting because I've always heard people talk about fear being the opposite of faith, you know, they would say things like you can't be in fear and in faith at the same time, but it sounds like mm. lo- a little bit of fear is actually healthy for us. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find that everything that I'm afraid of is just the, it's just the hurdle before wonderful, wonderful things happen. And I, I am happy, I'm happiest when my adrenaline is high, when that, you know, fear is, is really coursing through my veins because it means that I'm doing something that matters, you know, if it's the right kind of fear, obviously you can be afraid of really dumb stuff like jumping out of planes and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, if it's the right kind of fear, it can be an amazing driving force.
0: Hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that because you know, I come from Ukraine, moved here as a refugee, didn't speak the language in 2000 as we moved to the States. And I was hmm. always afraid of public speaking. And just speaking in general, because I mean, moving to the United States, not speaking a word of English, living in the South is intimidating. And it was that fear that drove me to learn, to challenge. And there's something about those butterflies, and I'm curious because you, it sounds like you changed careers quite a bit. Is it once you lose that sense of fear and then you, it's kind of, for me, that's how it was. For example, I'm working a job for a couple of years and I feel like I'm getting too comfortable. And I'm no longer getting those butterflies, like not nervous anymore. And would you would you say at that point it's a good time to transition?
1: Yeah. I don't know if, I I don't know if a transition is in order, Mm -hmm. but something has to change. Like it, it doesn't have to be as drastic as going from a designer at a desk to wielding a, a, a Glock and a badge, but something has to change because once we're too comfortable, um, we just get complacent. You know, we stop seeking, we stop learning, we stop trying. And that's where I'm like super passionate because it's it's only in times of uncertainty and in times when I'm faced with something that I'm afraid of do I really feel like I'm living up to my potential. And that's where I feel what that's where I find value. And I think that so many people are so scared of the actual emotion of feeling fear that they just avoid it. And that's you know I'm I'm 100% I'm like embrace fear. It's a it's a it's what it means to be alive. You know, that's 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 what separates us from the animals. It's just that, that, that fear.
0: That's so true. Fear is such a weak emotion yet it paralyzes so many people. Yeah. Now I'm curious to find out you're a high performer. What are some daily routines that you have in your personal
1: life that are helping you as a creative? Oh gosh. I am the anti daily routine guy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is is
0: there one thing that you absolutely have to do every single day that
1: helps you, uh, just stay on track? Not one. Not one. I am always like I'm always experimenting with different things. I've always like looked at these guys that have these morning routines like uh, Matthew and Greg in our office. Matthew and Greg are both creative directors and they're amazing at what they do. And they both have these routines that they really stick by and they're very regimented. Even with the way that Matthew takes notes, he does the bullet journaling, and it's just amazing. And I've always wished that I could be that kind of guy, but I've never been able to hold a routine longer for a couple months. I've always found it difficult to exercise. Waking up has always been a challenge, trying to get to bed. So really, my strength lies in kind of more of a mission-oriented approach. That's so so it's interesting. setting Yeah, it's setting these huge goals, and then basically my life becomes obsessed you know, I just become obsessed with attaining this this you know, the next goal. Now, where it backfires is when I get obsessed with like a show. Like right wow. now I'm really into the hunt for Oak Island or something like that mm-hmm. on the History Channel. So that that's where the mission oriented kind of obsession can backfire. But yeah, I've never had like a like a routine kind of thing. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm the same way, and I always beat myself up because, like, man, I don't have a daily routine. Therefore, uh, you know, if I want to be a high performer, high achiever, I need to be just like everybody else. But, you know, it's interesting because it's a totally different perspective. Maybe you just have to embrace who you are, and maybe being kind of like jumping on different things that interest you is maybe the best approach for you. Yeah. You know?
1: I also think it's kind of some shitty logic that a lot of our influencers are putting on us, too. Hmm. You know, I love, you know, guys like Tony Robbins and... um uh, who's the guy with the bulletproof coffee? Uh, what's his name? Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. You know, Tim, I love those guys, right? But I, I feel like, you know, they push for this routine and these these like things that you do every day that make people successful, quote unquote, successful. And I, I feel like it's this immense pressure for people who want to be successful. Then they see that like, you know, oh man, I don't do these things. And so I'll never be successful. And I think it's some really shitty logic that we that we kind of ac- accept from these people that all successful people do this or have routines or you know wake up early in the mornings or anything like that because you know we're we're all different we all do different stuff. It's so true,
0: and it is in some way you can limit yourself if you try to stick to a routine all the time and you don't branch out of it. That you might miss out on an opportunity, like to say, if you stay up at night late to to I don't know, experience a different something that you wouldn't usually do otherwise. But you have to stick to your routine. Like that's a disadvantage. So I can see how a routine can really hurt some people, and they can they can become very uh, I don't know. Like I've known some people that are just kind of boring to be around because they have these like routines all the time. You know. So I guess every once in a while it's good to step out of your comfort zone, out of your routines and try different things. So but that's interesting. I've never heard a creative say that they don't have a routine. So this is uh encouraging for me to hear. So thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying routines are bad. That's that's the thing is I I just think that we need to embrace our strengths. You know, we need to embrace who we are and what we do and and I think that like there's one piece of the puzzle that's trying to improve yourself, but then there's also this like changing things that don't need to be changed for the sake of improvement and that's where I kind of classify routines.
0: Mm. Now you're a creative. How do you deal with creative blocks? Do you have any tips, tricks, advice for us? Uh, This is something I deal with uh, pretty often. What do you do when you hit the wall so to speak?
1: Yeah definitely. So creative blocks for me it's just sheer brute force. (laughs) So it's like let's say we're designing logos right. I come to a, a, a point where it's like I have concepted everything that I can. I don't know what else to do. Um, I'm stuck. Now we've entered creative block at this point. I will literally sit down with a timer with like one of those little Jenga hourglasses things. And I think you put like two minutes on the clock and your job is, is to do two concepts, two thumbnail sketches every time that the clock goes until you hit a hundred. Another way of doing that is like to set a timer for like an hour and get a hundred concepts down on paper. So the first like 10 will be like walking through mud. It'll be really tough. But after you get all these bad ideas flowing and you just realize that all you have to do is put the pencil on the paper and start sketching, something will spark and then you'll start to get lost. I don't think I've ever made it to 100 because by 80, new ideas are starting to like weave themselves onto the paper. And I'm like, oh, I got to go vectorize this stuff. So for me, it's a brute force thing. I do have, I had some employees that it wasn't as effective. And for them, it was going out into the world. So whenever they hit creative block, we would try the brute force thing. If that didn't work, I'd be sending them to a museum and they would go look at fine art or go sit in a coffee shop for an hour and just like completely break themselves away from the situation. So depending on who you are, depending on the way that you approach tasks, you know, either one of those things can work. That's interesting. You, have, have you tried this stuff? No, well, I do.
0: I usually write ten ideas a day. I was I was listening to James Altucher. I don't know if you've heard of the guy, but uh, he has a podcast and he does this. He writes ten ideas every single day. He talks about creativity muscle, like it's a muscle. If you don't want exercise it, you lose it, kind of thing. And he mm-hmm. said he would like randomly go to people's websites and he would just write like ten ideas how to improve the site and just send it to them. That's how I end up getting gigs. But at first, it was just a practice. You know, and mm. I, so I adapted that practice and it's really very helpful. Like every single day, like, oh, I'm struggling with, I don't know, like, uh, Let's just say running, like for some reason I just can't run like five miles like I want to or something like that. I just like sit down, like why am I struggling with this? Oh, maybe I should uh, not eat a lot before bedtime and blah, 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 So if you just start writing different ideas that come to mind, it's kind of like solving an equation, like your own problem. Mm-hmm. With the, so that's kind of something that I uh, do. But that's, you know, and another one is kind of like you said, just go and explore uh, like a museum or something like that. That's, that's interesting because sometimes I just go for a run and that's that totally sets me off. Just change your environment completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now me, I I mean, obviously I love going to museums. I love all that kind of good stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't help me with creative block. Um, for me, a lot of times the brute force exercise will literally help me break through my analysis paralysis where I'm just sitting here. I'm trying to plan the perfect logo in my head and it doesn't work because you have to be executing. You have to be doing, it's the same thing with like, you know, making YouTube videos. You just have to make YouTube videos. And, and that's something that I've struggled with. It's like, oh, I'm not going to be like perfect. I'm not, a, I'm not a perfect editor. And it's this like you set the bar so high for yourself and you're trying to plan and, you know, analyze how you can approach a specific problem and it gets overwhelming. And so that brute force exercise kind of helps reroute around that and puts you in a doing state, an active state versus a thinking state.
0: What advice would you give to someone just starting out in design? Let's say someone's graduating from high school and uh I don't know what advice would you give to your own child that's graduating from high school that wants to get into design?
1: So if you're graduating from high school, I would definitely not go to go, not go to college. Really? It's difficult for me to say, yeah, but I I am I'm, I'm 100% on that. It's just it's uh I think that there's so much that you can pick up online, um, <clears throat> especially with the future. Right. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I think that, I think that uh, it's just a ginormous time and money suck that you can learn on the job with internships and apprenticeships and all this other stuff that like, maybe it's not even paid at the beginning, but it's not like you're paying $18,000 per semester to learn the same stuff. And And the reason being is, you know, I never went to design school. I, I actually kind of thought I did, but it wasn't a design school. It was, it was media arts was my bachelor when I graduated. And it was basically just the garbage that, it, that University of South Carolina threw all the stuff that they didn't know what to do with. So like 3D was in there, video game design was in there. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Like it was just this big basket of creative skills that they couldn't figure out what to do with. And I learned more working with amazing people. Than I ever did in school and I've also hired a lot of people that have gone to really really high quality design schools and I see them learning more and advancing their skills just by osmosis just by being around the right team then they came in you know walked in the door in their portfolio. So, I do think that there are some fundamental stuff that you need to learn, but there's plenty of of resources online to do that, and that's kind of our mission here at the future is to is to provide that stuff for these people who don't want to drop a hundred grand on a on a college education that they're going to be paying off for the rest of their lives
0: interesting I've interviewed a lot of people and asked the same question about school, and it seems like ninety percent of people say don't go because uh, it's yeah. just a waste of your I mean there are other great benefits you know meeting the right people and all that good stuff but I mean if you have to get in debt over it then you know is it really worth it you can go to conferences for cheaper and meet people that are much more influential you know now when you hire people do you look at the colleges they go through or went to or do you pay more attention to their portfolios demo reels
1: yeah not at all uh, when there's a uh, usually the emails come in And there's a link to a cover letter and a link to a resume and a link to a portfolio. And the only link that I click is to their portfolio. Wow. That's it. That's helpful. All I'm interested in in is the work. And then if you score an interview at Blind, that means your work is good enough to work here. So you're already this tall to ride, you know, you're, you're tall enough to ride the ride. And in the interview, it's purely a culture fit kind of thing
0: now what's it what are some things that uh, I guess some bad habits that you're seeing people that are showing up to interviews is there anything that to watch out for for those that are trying to get a job interview what are some things they that you look in beyond the the, uh, portfolio let's say I already have an interview with you guys Uh, what are some things that I can do to make sure I don't mess up I guess
1: (laughs) so there's there's like a fine line between uh, preparing and like memorizing and rehearsing and I think that it's pretty readily apparent to the interviewer who is memorizing answers and stuff like that. I would want the people to know our body of work and know our mission. And if you're coming in for an interview at Blind and you don't know that the future exists, there's something wrong, right? There's, it's, it's all over the internet. So that's the kind of thing that I look for is like, are you really interested in working here? And then everything else is is really just personality and culture fit. You know, I'm I'm not looking for someone to perform in the interview. I'm looking to figure out if it's a good fit. And I'm kind of scoping to see if the interviewee is doing the same thing because an interview is just a conversation to figure out if you're a good fit both ways. There's a lot of people that interview here that don't make it through the doors because it's not a good fit and they would probably hate working here, you know? And so that's the, that's, it's more of like a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a structured conversation. And so when I, when I get these like robotic rehearsed responses, I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) Did
0: anybody like pass out on you or like super nervous to where like they're speaking another language? (laughs) Anything
1: like that? No, no, no. it is funny though. Um, We had one intern that, uh, that just recently left who, interviewed and uh it turned out he didn't get the spot because the the spot was filled and and we said you know hey check in next time and the the position that um I told him to check in next time for because English was a second language and he was pretty new over here he thought it, that I meant you have the next spot oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he called, and as sure enough, as soon as as soon as the the next internship thing rolled around, he called and and scheduled his his HR and and all this kind of stuff to get set up for for his spot. And uh, it was like it was like you know what you got the dri- you got the balls you got the drive let's do this let's do this and so I love we it. hired him and it was great <laughs> it was a fantastic internship for everybody involved but it was it was really funny. But yeah, it's just it's 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 purely culture.
0: personality. Well, what if what if field. he uh, knew what he was doing? He was just playing you guys.
1: <laughs> then then hats off to him, man. Hats off to him.
0: Man, that's awesome. I'll, you know, <laughs> I, when I used to work in a restaurant as a, as a waiter, and I remember one time I was so tired. Uh, That's where I learned my English, by the way. I learned serving tables in America, in the South, by the way, where where they called me Vladimir. It's a little different down here. I came up to one table and I'm like taking their order and talking to them and they're looking at me so confused and I walk away and somebody told me, like, why did you speak Russian to them? So there you go. (laughs) I confused them with my Russian. I I forgot which country it was. Now, I know you're amazing a lot of things. Now, what are you not good at? I'm curious to find out.
1: Oh man, I am like addicted to sugar. Me too, for man. Sure. I can't yeah. say no to sugar. Yeah, I have to like continually do cardio to, to balance things out and I've lost a lot of weight since being here and that's that's awesome, but I am totally not good at that either. I really love food.
0: <laughs> Speaking of food, you lived in the South for such a long time. What what, what are some, uh, I guess, restaurants you like in the South? I was just a Cracker Barrel, but I know that's that's everywhere. <sighs>
1: Yeah, no, there's a place in Beaufort, South Carolina called Duke's Barbecue.
0: Mmm, barbecue.
1: Um, If you have heart conditions, don't go there because <laughs> you will die. But it is probably the most delicious fried Southern food that I've ever had. So shout out to Duke's.
0: I was just in Tennessee, uh, East Tennessee, Johnson City, Bristol, Kingsport. I, that's where we moved to. And man, every time we go there, we we visit this uh, couple, they're... Southern Baptist, and they always put a big meal after the church. And man, I it's a little bit of everything: biscuits and gravy in the morning, you know all nice. that stuff. All yeah. Now you said you love sugar. Me too. I'm like, a, I can say no to drugs and alcohol, but sugar, man, I, I you know I start shaking when I see sugar. What yeah. are What are some desserts? What are some uh, sweets? Do you like
1: anything baked? Anything baked? I'm not so much like a candy guy, but like I'm a sucker for like baked cookies and stuff like that. Just forget about it. Yeah. I did, we, somebody brought donuts into the office the other day, and I could smell them from my office. I was like, "This is not fair." Chris, Chris was sitting in there with me. He's like, "You got to resist." And I was like, "I'm going to resist by oh, leaving."
0: <laughs> well, see, I'm one of those people that I can say no to. Like, if it's not in my house, I'm fine. But my wife, she uh, she can say no. She can eat like in small portions, and I can't. Like, if it's there, how I'll how do eat the they whole do thing. that? I don't know. It's a time i Man, I'm telling you, every time she'll buy all these sweets and she'll just put stash them, and I know that I will be overeating for sure. Like I can't if it's not in the house. Like I seriously, I can go months and weeks. Like I'm one of those people. If there's no food in the house, I'll go two days without eating. Like it's no problem. (laughs) But if there's yeah. food, I'll be like that horse. Just keep eating, keep eating, keep yep. eating. Yep. So anyway, do you have any tips, tricks, advice for me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Put a like. You're coming to the wrong person, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, vet share, share one, uh, recommend uh, one online resource that is very helpful for you. Other than the future, of course.
1: Gosh, man. It does, uh, it you know, honestly... Yeah, honestly, I think that uh, HubSpot CRM really changed the way that we do business. If you're not use, if you're a designer, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're uh, if you have a freelance practice, if you're not using something to keep track of your customers and the leads and the things that you, uh, you know, the people that you engage with on a day to day basis, you'll have no idea what your close rate is, and, and it's very very difficult to predict revenue. So for me, you know, as soon as you said online resources, HubSpot came to mind, and and that uh, HubSpot CRM is just great and it's free. So,
0: right on. There you go. Now you're you're also a father, by the way, and I have to ask you. I always ask uh, parents that come to the show, how do you balance work and personal life, man?
1: You know, I I don't know that it's like a it's a balance. I don't. I, I've been struggling with this. I haven't really wrapped my brain around it, and I haven't really like fully, um, built an opinion about this work life balance thing. For me, I involve my daughter in every single thing that I can. And so if, you know, if it's the weekend and I need to do some work on a project or if it's something that I'm like, you know, Hey, I need to do some, some work on the website. She has her own desk chair that she pulls up right to my desk. She has her own computer she has her own sketchbook nice. and we work together and so it's it's much less of a it's much less of like a work-life balance where I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to how to make the scales equal I just pull her into everything and and I've been doing that ever since she was born she's two and a half now wow and um you know she has uh we have pictures of her at like two months old chilling out in a rocker right next to my monitor And it's just chilling, you know, and, and that's been, it's been that way for, for a long, long time. And I would rather have, you know, it's going to be very hard for me to like stop working, but I would rather have her there with me whenever I do need to work. That being said, I've also started doing this thing recently where I, I really strive for presence. So when it is family time, the phone's on the counter, it's, it's away from me, um, Emails shut down, like everything's, everything, my entire focus is on the family. And so when, you know, we're playing in her kitchen or doing, building blocks in her room or whatever it is, it's, it's, it's 100% focus. And I've seen some really, really cool stuff from that because in the beginning, it was difficult for me to do that. And it was like, I look back on those, those months and I, I struggle remembering things and which is crazy because I know I was there, but I was so like my my focus was split so i'm kind of missing out on those memories and i'm i'm really committed not to doing that anymore so those two things involving the kids in the day to day and then also when it's family time when it's kids time f- just in, intensely focus
0: no i totally agree and i think even uh, gosh i think it was Jim Rohn who once said when you work work when you play play but don't mix the two and that's something that is definitely mm-hmm. to master that's something i'm you're right you can be there but if, Mentally, you're not there. You know, you're in the future, in the past. Right. You're, especially being a business owner and you're working on so many clients and projects with so many clients and projects that it's, it's hard to be in, in the moment. 21st century, really, you can be reached in three seconds, you know, with a tweet and yeah, a call. Yeah.
1: And honestly, 99% of that stuff isn't worth it, anyways. You know, seeing my kids' eyes light up versus counting the likes on a tweet, you know, it's, <laughs> it doesn't even compare.
0: Man, they grow so quickly. I have a five year old and a two year old so I can relate I have two boys so I don't know what it's like to have a little girl I can just bark at my boys and be like hey get away from here and I'll just but I'm sure you can't (laughs) do that with the girl you have to be a lot more diplomatic and have to- oh,
1: I don't know, man. But It depends on the girl. I mean, my kid's the bully on the playground, so that's what we uh, have to work
0: with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Russian kids, you know, growing up in the uh, Soviet Union. American kids play with the toys. Russian kids, they uh, take them apart, man. I'm telling you, all the toys, <laughs> all the neighborhood playgrounds are all destroyed, man. I don't know what's what's wrong with that. But anyway, I, one last question. Well, actually, a couple more questions. Yeah. So what is your most proudest project that you worked on to date?
1: You know, it... it It's kind of weird because uh, it's so long ago, but uh, I won an award for this DreamWorks thing that I did way back in the day. I think it was like 2006, I want to say, maybe 2005, for Evan Almighty. Mm, Wow. And it was this cool, like, it was kind of an engineering feat and illustration all in one. And what we did was we put together a coloring book for kids and used scenes from the movie. And so I illustrated all those uh, pages. And then in the back, there was, like, a fold-out arc, and we called it the Arctivity Kit. And so I designed this thing where it was, like, a punch-out foldable arc, and it was one piece, and you just made the made the folds accordingly, and it was, like, a three-dimensional arc that you could put on a desk or a shelf or whatever. But just doing that, like, engineering side of things where it was, like, not just design and not just illustration, but also actually putting something together that somebody could fold and make something 3D that was really rad to me.
0: Have you ever had a project that went completely south like can you share one painful experience oh, yeah. as a as an artist that you learned a lot from or just I'm curious what it would be?
1: Um not so much on 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 an artist side. I mean every project will break your heart <laughs> in in some way. Right, either the client won't like the work, or they'll have too many revisions, or there'll be payment issues, or the you know something will happen in every single one. And the ones that that don't have anything, I'm always like looking at side eyed, you know, just kind of suspicious about, you know, where where is where are the wheels going to fall off on this one, you know? <laughs> um, but one really as an entrepreneur stands out in my head. You know, I was working with a partner who um, had I, I had the full. Utmost confidence in in the in the development team, and they're responsible for developing this website. We get all the way up to the deadline, and it was the day before that the client had a huge board meeting where he was taking the site in to help him get sponsorship. We went all the way to the deadline, and I had managed it so poorly that all I was seeing was static HTML builds to that point, and it was just previews on Skype, and he, you know the development team was just showing me the builds over like a screen share. And I thought, hey, it looks good. But really what they had done is they just built this flat HTML kind of preview screens and they hadn't integrated it into the content management system yet. They hadn't actually integrated it into e-commerce system yet. It was just a mess. So the day before we were supposed to deliver this thing, uh, I got a phone call and said, I'm sorry, it's not done. And it was just like I just I could not believe it. I mean, I had to call this guy hat in hand. I'm like, listen, I'm going to refund everything. I am so sorry. I know you're going to miss your funding on this. I I don't know what to do, man. I, I I'm tapped because this was my this was my team. You know, I had no I had no uh, backup developers, and we had no time to even use them. And so that just makes my stomach sink even now. Just thinking about it, just just utterly failed the guy. So. What was his reaction? Surprisingly professional. Yeah. He just said, you know, totally, I I get it. I understand. Because I told him what happened. And uh, he said, I I understand. And, uh, you know, thank you for giving my money back. And I got to go figure this out. And that was pretty much it. That was the last time we spoke.
0: Now, what did you learn from this experience?
1: There needs to be some oversight, right? So, um, I know one thing here that we do at Blind is, you know, we require all of our freelancers and their team members to put what they had done for the day in a daily folder. And so we have all these daily folders for every single project that we do. And inside each day is their a folder with their name on it and then an export of what they've actually done. And so it's these like routine checks that happen every single day that keep everybody on track and everybody in line. And then also we're just open with people. It's like, guys, if you don't think that you can hit the deadline, just let us know and let us know really quick because we're going to have to you know, go back and, and figure things out with the client.
0: Hmm. That's interesting I, about the folder system. That's pretty cool. I have to look into that.
1: Now, what are you most excited about today? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. This is, <laughs> it's it's the Tuesday after a three-day weekend. So I'm looking at the week like, oh God. But um, honestly, just seeing my kid, seeing my kid. I'll go with a softball answer.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. One last question. I promise I'll leave you alone. Now, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Oh, man. I am Mr. Ben Burns everywhere, except for Twitter, in which case it's Mr. Ben Burns with an underscore. And if you know Mr. Ben Burns on Twitter, please tell him to give me his handle because I own it everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And then also look up The Futures here. We're on all platforms, especially if you're a designer.
0: Hey, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks. It was a blast. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Ben Burns. I appreciate Ben taking time away from everything he had going on to spend it with us. So huge thank you to Ben. Now, our expressions course is now out. Check it out at euchromedia.com slash expressions. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 18. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have over 2,000 people in this group. It's a great resource for those of you that are trying to grow. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you. And I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media podcast. Bye-bye.